trying to get coaching cycles started and feeling like you just can't make it work? I've got the email course for you. Realistic Coaching Cycles is a mini course sent right to your inbox. It's five days of short videos that will teach you exactly what you need to do to start coaching cycles, document your work with a teacher, and help them implement the learning you've done together. Get it for free at buzzingwithmissb.com slash cycles and start your coaching cycles today. What's your instructional coaching personality type? Have you ever wondered what superpowers make you a really strong coach and what areas you could strengthen a little with a little direction? Well, now you can find out. I created the What's Your Instructional Coaching Personality Type quiz to help you answer this very question. Just head to buzzingwithmissb.com slash quiz with a capital Q to take the two minute quiz and get your coaching personality type sent right to your inbox. Even better, you'll get a playlist of podcast episodes that are handpicked just for you to help you hone your superpowers and strengthen your areas of growth. I'm so excited to share this quiz with you, so don't wait. Go to buzzingwithmissb.com slash quiz with a capital Q and learn so much about your coaching self. Welcome to Instructional Coaching with Miss B, where we believe that every teacher deserves a coach and every coach does too. I'm Chrissy Beltran, an elementary teacher who became a coach, and I had to create my own coaching program that worked. Now I teach coaches how to design their coaching programs, build a school-wide action plan, and use differentiated strategies to support teachers. Plus, I've got a special spot in my heart for literacy coaches. Now let's dig into the episode. Hey, coach, and welcome to Instructional Coaching with Miss B. This is the podcast for instructional coaches who want to make things happen on their campuses. I have a theme for you this month that is so important, and we are going to continue digging into this theme with our topic today. Coaching cycles make them happen. That's what we're talking about. The issue is that so many coaches are struggling to make coaching cycles happen realistically on their campus. And so I have a really great free crash course for you that I know you're going to love if you're trying to learn more about coaching cycles. It's my coaching cycles email course, and it's a crash course directly to your inbox. Every day for five days, you're going to get a handy dandy little email that will teach you one step of the process so that you can try it out with your teachers and make coaching cycles happen right now. So grab that at buzzingwithmissb.com slash cycles. And uh, you can also grab it in the show notes for today's episode at uh, buzzingwithmissb.com slash episode 177. It's going to have links and notes uh, about everything that we talk about today. So my guest today is Alyssa Crabtree, and we're going to talk about providing clear and thoughtful feedback to teachers. So sometimes we have coaching cycles, we watch the lesson or we co-teach, and then we say, okay, now what? What do we say? This last piece of our coaching cycle, which is providing reflective conversations and feedback to teachers, is so important because if we don't do that part well, all of the learning that could have happened doesn't. Most teachers are not just kind of automatically reflecting and taking their learning into their own stride and applying it. So we have to help them do that. So my guest today, Alyssa, is going to help us do this. And she's going to give us some ideas about how we can um, can find time for these cycles, how we can make sure that they take action for applying the things that we learn during a coaching cycle. And I'm really excited about our conversation. So let's welcome Alyssa to the podcast. Welcome, Alyssa. Oh, thank you, Chrissy, so much for having me. I'm excited to be here and Happy New Year. Oh, I'm excited for you to be here too. Yeah, it's such a good time to get started. 
Um, we have a lot of really good stuff to talk about today. And so as a quick way to introduce yourself, I would just love to hear about a couple of things. The first one is I want to know about who do you help and how do you spend most of your time and energy at work? Yeah, so... Great question. So I help instructional leaders, and that encompasses uh, administrators, assistant principals, coordinators, uh, instructional coaches, uh, teacher leaders, department chairs, anyone in an instructional leadership capacity is who I support. And I spend my time coaching best practices, tier one instruction, but also how to provide impactful and empowering feedback and how to get all stakeholders moving in the same direction because we know that working with adults can be uh, some tricky business. Yes. Well, I'm so glad that that's your specialty. That is why I wanted you to join me today. Um, And before we get into the really nitty gritty stuff of feedback, what is your guilty pleasure? It's just a fun question to kind of get to know you a little oh bit. Oh my gosh, girl, you're going to judge me and everyone else is <laughs> going to judge me, but I have been on a dance mom's kick. Oh no. <laughs> I never watched dance moms when it was out. And now that it's on Hulu, I was like, oh, I want to watch dance moms. Yeah. should have never gone down that rabbit hole. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I think that show would stress me out. It, it I have a lot of strong feelings does. about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Okay, so this month on the podcast, it's all about coaching cycles and how to make them work realistically. And so one of the biggest challenges that coaches have as far as feedback and reflection goes is actually getting to the conversation. Mm -hmm. So many times we do the class, we do like a pre-conference, we meet with a teacher, we set a plan, we do some classroom work, and then we just like, oh, we haven't met with them. Oh, and then time passes and it's kind of like not relevant anymore. So do you have any ideas about how coaches can make sure that these reflective conversations actually happen and we get to the good stuff? Yes, 100%. Because here, here's the kicker before we even get to that is we have to talk about the importance of these conversations. Mm -hmm. This is where instructional coaching can fall flat and we lose momentum because you're missing the coaching part. And that's where the nitty gritty happens. Uh, We can go into classrooms all day long and leave a sticky note, but that's not going to uh, perpetuate growth. And so what I always tell instructional coaches, instructional leaders, if you are going to intentionally have coaching conversations, schedule those before you schedule your observations. And I am a huge proponent of calendarizing my weeks. And so before I leave campus on Friday, Mm -hmm. I have Monday through Friday mapped out class period by class period. And I often get like, Alyssa, we're in education. It's going to change. Absolutely, it's going to change. Someone's going to pull the fire alarm. We know that. That's one thing that's wonderful about education. However, When we go in each week with intentionality, we are more likely to follow through. So the number one thing that instructional leaders must do is calendarize, mark it on the calendar. This is our coaching conversation before you ever schedule that observation, before you ever walk in have it scheduled first. And when you do that and both partners have agreed to it, then you can just go in whenever you need to. It makes life a lot easier. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, The whenever we wait till after the coaching work ends, 
Then you're trying to figure out when to meet. You've already lost that day, probably the next day. <laughs> Those yes. dates have already filled up and your time is passing. And then you can't have that really meaty conversation because you don't remember things. It Time has passed. It's kind of like data is only relevant when it's recent. It's mm -hmm. the same way that we, you know, we look at, at these coaching conversations. We have to consider that the conversation we're having is about the data we observe in the classroom. It's only relevant when it's, when it's current. 100%. And you know, often I understand that you probably are not going to have a meeting with every classroom, every teacher of every classroom that you go in. Mm -hmm. However, if you're taking a teacher through a coaching cycle, yes. you need very intentional days, checkpoints, because here's the other kicker. When we're looking at adult motivation, adults are motivated by those small increments of success. So if you're not getting in there, you're not providing that feedback, but that one-on-one -on -one and making it intentional and valuable, that motivation is going to dwindle. So if you're taking a teacher through a coaching cycle, schedule those coaching conversations mm -hmm. and then you can get in whenever you need to. Yeah, I totally agree. That's great. So then what can feedback actually look like during this part of the coaching cycle? So I always work with facts. I am, uh, you know, I try to stay away from judgmental language as much as possible. And I even mean judgmental language as in good job, you know, like the, we, I don't want to tag any kind of judgment to the feedback during the observation. What I want to know are the facts. So when I sit down one-on-one -on -one with the teacher, it's more impactful when I'm able to say, hey, you have um, during this class period, you have 36 students. And during that time, you asked two beautiful, essential questions. However, only six students responded during those uh, for those two questions. So I can see that only six students out of 36 kids are responding to me that actually as a teacher, I'm like, whoa, only six students? That's a big deal. Like I need to amp up that number versus me just saying, hey, not many kids are answering your questions mm -hmm. or you ask some beautiful mm -hmm. questions. Hey, that's awesome. Like to me, there's a huge difference in that language. Um, and so when I'm able to just represent the facts I can then lead into questions for the teacher to reflect. And that's when the teacher themselves are starting to come up with their own solutions because another form of motivation is teacher input. The teacher must be positioned as the expert, as the problem solver, as the hero of their own journey because we invest in what we create. So it's really... Um, you know, I know that a lot of people go in with glows and grows, but just make sure that those glows and grows are factual. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. I have um, some classroom observation forms actually in my shop and they're focused observation forms. And you look at one specific element of teaching or component or strategy, and then it has a place to actually record data. So, you know, depending yes. on what you're looking for, you're recording tallies, or you're recording, you know, number of students, or you're recording actual language scripted, and then marking academic vocabulary. And then it has guided questions after that, that you can use to reflect because you're reflecting on information that you yes. have collected. Yeah, I think that's 100% Chrissy. And I'm so glad you brought that up um, of the lens because we can't just go in and collect all the data. 
there must be a very specific lens. So like the example that you just gave of academic language, you know, maybe I'm tracking that. I'm not going to track every single thing because it's overwhelming for the teacher, mm -hmm. but just keeping it factual is going to be more impactful. And oftentimes if I use the even positive judgmental language, sometimes teachers stop listening after that. Mm -hmm. And it's like, oh, well, I did a good job. Okay, I'm done. You know, mm -hmm. it's no, we're just going to give it factual. And I even tell teachers that I'm like, hey, I don't want you to think I'm cold hearted. Know that when we're going through this coaching process, I will be providing facts instead of good job. Hey, let's grow on this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's a good idea, too, is, is prefacing this with a conversation about what it's going to look like. Mm hmm. Absolutely. You mm -hmm. want teachers to be aware and you want teachers to have a say. So oftentimes I'll even ask, how do you prefer your feedback? Uh, and so mm -hmm. it, it really goes with knowing the individual and we have to know the individual before they're receptive to our feedback. Mm -hmm. So then as teach as coaches are working through this, like let's say that they're trying to, to really focus on providing better feedback to teachers and working through this process to, to the reflective conversation, making sure they get it in there. What are some of the mistakes that coaches make that we all make, you know, whenever we provide feedback to teachers, the most common ones? I would say one, providing feedback before having ample opportunities to get into classrooms. Hmm. And I think sometimes coaches are scared to get into classrooms you just start getting in there. Like I'll, I'll sit uh, with coaches and they're like, okay, it's the first week of school. I don't want to bug them. I'm like, no, 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 no. From day one, you start getting into classrooms and you just make yourself a permanent fixture. You're not there to give feedback. You're not there to coach at that time. You're there to help. You're there like, Hey, I'm coming in because you don't want it to, you don't want to provide feedback and then be like, well, you were only in here for the first 10 minutes on one day. You don't understand the yeah. whole picture. No, you're in there constantly. You just get into those classrooms. That doesn't mean you're coaching every time. That doesn't mean that you're giving feedback every time. You're just, you're there. Because people who, I love what Brene Brown says, and I'm going to butcher this quote, but if you're not in the ring, I don't want to, I don't want your feedback. Like you don't mm -hmm. need, you don't deserve to give me feedback in that moment. So you need to get in the boxing ring with the teachers. And I think that's a big mistake that coaches um, make is they don't get into the classrooms. They'll just do it with maybe a teacher that they're going through a coaching cycle with, or they just do it when they're, when they're requested. But if you want mm -hmm. to understand the full scope of what's happening to truly help someone, you got to know all the things. And so that's one thing. Don't be afraid to get into teachers' classrooms. They might feel a little uncomfortable at first, but once you get in, then they're they're like, okay, she's here. Good. Mm -hmm. You know, you're just a permanent fixture. And then I think the second mistake um, that a lot of instructional coaches make is not fostering that relationship with teachers. And I'm not talking about being best friends, but that's why I'm also a huge proponent of getting into their classrooms because that's part of trust. Oh, she knows what's happening. She knows the great things that are happening and she knows this not so great stuff that's happening. Mm -hmm. And so I do, I tell coaches all the time, do not provide feedback until 
you know that they trust you. Because if you give the wrong feedback, oh, Lordy, you've broken that trust right then. And then the final thing that I would say is just honesty and transparency. And I had to deal with this a lot. I, I had to grow in this a lot. I didn't want to hurt anyone's feelings. I didn't want to step on anyone's toes. As a teacher, gosh, I just wanted to be like, all teachers are amazing. Like, y'all are wonderful. But I also had to be to be kind. I had to be transparent. And if there was a, a problem, if there was an area that the teacher could grow, I had to practice my own uh, candor. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where presenting the facts is very helpful. It's non-judgmental whatsoever. It's just presenting the facts. So get comfortable, get into those classrooms, build those relationships with teachers and present just the facts. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. I think talking to teachers about their practice can be very, it can feel very stressful. We can feel like we don't like, we don't know how to say certain things and you do have to practice that and you do have to think about, okay, what is the way that I can say this that isn't going to come off as me telling them what to do or that isn't going to sound like I'm telling them that they're wrong or bad at their jobs because teachers often are listening from this perspective because they have been through lots of stuff. And if you think about how many people who say things about teachers are saying negative things, (laughs) just go online it's not nice. (laughs) It's not great. And so teachers tend to take, because they are the face of the school to those parents, they tend to take a lot of insults. And so because of that, they can be looking for that in the conversations that we have with them. Mm -hmm. So we have to be really thoughtful about our delivery. And I think that, you know, focusing on facts and and data is just information in number form. This is what we saw. This is what happened. Let's talk about what that means and what we can do. Um, those kinds of conversations are going to be, it's going to take some adjusting and getting used to for sure for teachers. But I think that they are going to be most helpful in the long run because they can start to say, okay, this is what happens when I do that. So I want to change that outcome. What do I want to do differently? Well, and that goes back to like why I'm always pushing coaches, principals, get into the classroom because then you do know the whole picture. And what I, you know, I love about it is, you know, you had even mentioned, Chrissy, that there's the outside talk about teachers and they make these assumptions. But then I also hear those assumptions from campus visitors who might be at the district level or principals who don't get into the classroom that often. And as a coach who is ever present, you can speak up for that teacher you can speak to their strengths and you can speak honestly about it. And that, again, strengthens relationships. And I, one of the biggest peeves that I have with administrators is when they don't get into classrooms, mm-hmm. but then they want to give their state appraisal, whether, you know, it's TTAS if you're in Texas or whatever it is in other states. And here's the deal. A lot of teachers don't listen to that feedback Mm -hmm. because they don't have a present administrator. Mm -hmm. But if you do have a present administrator, oh my gosh, it's beautiful. And it really is just transparency, opening up to the teacher. Why am I in your classroom? I'm in everybody's classroom. I'm that annoying workout partner that's just going to come and talk to you every single day. That's how I'm giving feedback. But when you are very transparent and have those conversations 
uh, teachers will open up to you 100%. And especially, oh my, I don't know if you've ever seen this, Chrissy, but your younger instructional coaches who are coaching veteran teachers, mm -hmm. we got to talk, I mean, the way that that feedback comes across, mm -hmm. you got to be careful, especially because teaching is an art. It's an art form. We are artists. And if anyone comes in and gives me feedback, they're giving me feedback on my art. And that can seem very personal. Yeah, I, I, the point you're making about being in classrooms is so important. And I, I've seen different perspectives on this. And I don't completely understand the perspective of you only visit classrooms during coaching cycles. And I've seen districts actually say I have too. And I don't get it because I feel like, okay, as a coach, <clears throat> when I was on a campus before I started doing work with lots of schools and mm -hmm. I just had one school, I would facilitate PLC meetings where we would make lesson plans and write curriculum. I would facilitate PLC meetings where we looked at data and talked to, and created assessments. And I did lots of school level and grade level things. And then if I didn't go into classrooms, I would have absolutely no clue whether what I was doing was making any change at all, was serving any purpose at all, was even like happening in the classrooms. It was, it's, if you don't go in classrooms, you don't know what's going on exactly. and you have to know what's going on. And I think that this really falls under the definition of instructional coach. And so it depends on how your role is defined. And in some schools, your role may completely be defined as coaching cycles. You go in and then you you work in with that teacher for six weeks and then you pop out. I have never actually seen a school function this way, but I know that that's like a an approach yes. that's out there, right? So I haven't seen it in person. So I, it's really hard for me to picture it because <laughs> as the coach, I was a team member. I was on leadership team. So many responsibilities fall into your lap that are not coaching cycle. Absolutely. And so I really believe in growing your coaching toolbox full of strategies and being able to work with teachers in different ways. And the coaching cycle is one of those tools, right? Yes. And there are different ways to use it as well. So I think that part of knowing what's going on in your campus is visiting classrooms. And I feel like we can't really support teachers well if we don't have context. Like you're saying, giving feedback on one 20-minute lesson is not going to be as impactful if you don't have the context for what is often happening in that classroom. Yeah. And I mean, just think about it. If your campus has this idea of you're only in classrooms when you're taking a teacher through a coaching cycle, imagine the stigma around coaching cycles. Yes. And right yeah. then it's automatically, oh, if you're in my room, I must be a horrible teacher. Mm -hmm. And that's not it at all. Like everyone gets coached. I'm here to help everyone. I'm all over the place. Like that is, it needs to be a safe place because if we truly, and I hear every school district spout this mantra and I have yet to see majority hold true to this mantra, mm -hmm. we fail forward. And they're always like, we need to fail forward to grow. We need to fail forward. Well, I'm sorry. My dog is barking. <laughs> okay. okay. But if we need to fail forward, you need to create a safe place for people to fail forward. Mm -hmm. And that means removing negative stigmas around coaching. And, mm -hmm. and so I really, if, if a school district wants to embrace failing forward to learn, make it a safe place. Mm -hmm. Yes. I, um, it reminds me of whenever I first started teaching, I remember on my job description, it literally said 
but you had to be a visible part of the school. You should be visible. Coach, I like that. Visible. I thought that, yeah, that stuck with me for, I think because yeah. as a new teacher, I was like, what does that even look like? You know what I mean? Yeah. But then over time, I learned what it meant, you know, and I figured out how to do it. But at first, I was unsure. And it, so I think that coaches need to be visible. They need to be out. And so you, like you said, you cannot give feedback to somebody who looks at you and goes, yeah, you were in here for 15 minutes. What do you have to offer me? And how many times do we have administrators who do the same thing? They come in maybe fall and spring, maybe just once a year for the formal observation. They do the minimum. I know I've had an administrator like that. She gave me some feedback. She was, well, I didn't really see technology. I was like, well, we were reading a book. So... I mean, uh -huh. there's a time and a place. I'm not just going to randomly throw in technology because you walked into the room. Exactly. You know, it's not appropriate. And so, yeah, there, there are little things that that people want to see that you cannot see in a short chunk of time because, like, gradual release model, for example, going to take time. So, yeah, you want to be you want to be able to provide good feedback by having a good picture of what's really going on, and some context is necessary for that. Yeah, one hundred percent. So then. Okay, let's say we have this really great conversation, we provide facts, we talk about what that means in the classroom and, and what that means that the teacher can do. How can we help teachers take action as a result of these conversations? Because sometimes it's like, okay, great, thank you, you gave me my report card, it's how, <laughs> it's how teachers feel, and now I'm all done, you know? <laughs> Absolutely, no, I, you know, I always take it back to, um, I was a literacy teacher, so I taught RLA forever and ever, and I always think of it as reading and writing conferences. I would never leave my students without an artifact. And I do the same thing with teachers that I coach in that when we sit down and we are going through feedback and talking about solutions together, either I pull up my toolbox of various checklists. Well, here's, if, let's say we had mentioned earlier um, getting students to use academic vocabulary. Well, here are some strategies that we can use to promote discourse. Which one feels more like you and your teaching style? Mm -hmm. So I have some where students get up and move. I have some where students just turn and talk. Mm -hmm. But it is the teacher chooses which one is most safe to them. And then we rehearse it. I don't just tell them, hey, here's this checklist for a really great way to have academic discourse. Now mm -hmm. go implement this. No, we're going to sit down. I'm going to model it for you. And then you're going to try it in just a safe place, just the two of us. And then now we're going to implement in the class. I will ask, do you want me to model it with your students? Yes or no. They might say yes or no. They might just say, no, just let me run with it. And then I'll be there to provide them feedback. Mm -hmm. um, but I also do like whisper coaching. How about we do it side by side? Mm -hmm. And while you're doing it, I can be like, give you a little signal. I can say, hey, be sure that you do like just whisper in. But I'm not just releasing them to go do it on their own. There is some form of modeling, some form of side by side coaching. Um, but I leave them with the artifacts. So when they're planning and I'm gone, they have step-by-step step what it is that they need to do to implement that specific strategy. So always leave your teachers with an artifact. And you can either, if you're a coach just starting out, maybe you don't have a lot of tools in your toolbox just yet, co-create them together. And just like, hey, step-by-step, step, what could the strategy look like? Mm -hmm. um, 
ask other coaches, ask other teachers, but those checklists are extremely important. That's a great way to do it. And to ensure that once you walk away, people don't go, wait, what was I going to do? Because that's what happens. (laughs) Well, and it also can be misinterpreted. Um, I cannot tell you how many times I walked in and a teacher was doing a turn and talk, but that was not a turn and talk. I'm like, you know, you think something like turn and talk would be, and I'd like, oh, mm -mm." they misinterpreted that. Mm -hmm. And we often do that as humans. So having a step-by-step checklist of this is what it is, this is what it looks like, let's try it together is extremely helpful. Mm -hmm. That's great. So then what happens, let's say that it is turn and talk and the teacher starts to implement this and they're using it regularly and, you know, you visit again and you're like, hey, okay, great. I can see the result of our work together and you're you're trying this out. Mm -hmm. And then over time, you just kind of see whenever you're not like as intensively working in that classroom. Mm -hmm but you are visiting because we keep visiting, we see that the teacher is just kind of falling back into the patterns that they demonstrated before. So maybe kids are not having the opportunity to talk as much, or it's a lot of teacher driven stuff and the kids just sit and get. Mm -hmm. So what do you do whenever that happens? So I try to be proactive in the beginning. Um, One of the things that I talk to teachers a lot about are habits when we're setting up these new strategies and what habits for success will help your brain tripwire to remind yourself to implement or plan for these specific strategies. Sometimes it's something as very as simple as a sticky note on their computer. Sometimes it's as simple as a sign in the back of the classroom to help remember. And so during coaching cycles, not only do I talk about strategies with teachers, we work alongside one another to either remove certain habits or add certain habits. So we hopefully we've been working on this habit alongside with the strategy and we've identified a tripwire to help them remember to do something or to remember to stop doing something. And let's say a couple of weeks go by, they've been doing a little, but I do walk in and I see something. What I normally will do at first is go over to the tripwire. I will strategically place my body there. Like, you know, I'm going to post I'm going to point to this poster in the back of the room. I am going to post to the, go to the sticky note or maybe just give them some kind of signal. If that does not work or they're like, oh my gosh, later I will have a conversation with them. Like, hey, what's going on? Like I noticed, don't slip. Like, you know, I'm going to be the, again, I always tell them I am your Richard Simmons. I'm that annoying workout partner that's going to come and remind you. And again, I pose the facts. Uh, And this, especially if they've gone through a coaching cycle with me and I'm a permanent fixture, I'm always around, I can just leave a sticky note that says 15 out of 36. And they know exactly what that means. Mm -hmm. And that could be 15 out of 36 students responded or Mm -hmm. something along those lines to keep them remembering. But it's always start by being proactive. Know that every Everyone falls into old habits at some point. Mm -hmm. So just go in knowing that. And how are we going to be proactive so that when we do start falling back into old habits, what's going to remind us to go back? Mm -hmm. I love that idea. So, okay, people have gotten so much out of this conversation. I'm sure that they're walking away with specific ideas that they can implement this week. How can people keep learning from you if they want to learn more? 
Awesome. Thank you, Chrissy, for asking that. Yes, I have a YouTube channel called uh, Live with Crabtree. Just type in Crabtree Coaching Collaborative and you will find that YouTube channel where I am uh, active about once a week and talking about different strategies. They can visit my website at crabtreecoachingcollaborative.org. Um, I would love for them to be a guest on my show. So if anyone's interested in being a guest on my show as a teacher, as a coach, uh, they can go to my website and sign up to be a guest on the show. And then they can follow me on any social media platform. Uh, type in Crabtree Coaching Collaborative and I will be there. All right. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for sharing with us today. Awesome. Thank you, Chrissy. All right, Coach. That was so great. I really enjoyed talking to Alyssa. I think she had some really good concrete, practical ideas that you can implement in your coaching conversations right away. And I want to share with you a reminder about that free crash course. So it's coaching a coaching cycles crash course that goes straight to your email. And you can grab it at buzzingwithmissb.com slash cycles, because one of the days is going to talk about how to structure a reflective conversation. And this is information that I actually teach inside of my confident literacy coach course, I have a whole lesson dedicated to that reflective conversation. Um, but you can get some of the elements in this free crash course. So head to buzzingwithmissb.com slash cycles to grab it because I know it's going to help you as you're implementing realistic coaching cycles. Next week, we are starting a new theme and that theme is motivation, morale, and mindset. So we're going to learn about building teacher morale. We're going to talk about positive psychology and how we can use it to support our faculty members. We're going to talk about small shifts and how that can have big results. I cannot wait to share that with you because this topic is hot right now. Teacher morale is low, 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 and we have to do what we can to support our most valuable asset, which are our teachers. So I will see you for that next week. And until then, happy coaching. Now that you've got so much to think about, head over to buzzingwithmissb.com to grab some free downloads, become a VIB, and check out the podcast show notes. Happy coaching.